Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Tiffany here. I'm the person behind the curtain here at the Belly Dance Bundle. Today, we have a contributor who has become a dear friend over her years in the bundle, Sahira. We're going to chat today about emotion and dance and some ways that we can work it into our own dance, no matter the music that we might be listening to or dancing to. This year's bundle is honestly the best one we've ever done. The subjects are flowing together so well, and nothing is self-contained. You'll be able to move from one class to the next and learning more and building on your knowledge in ways that I feel like we haven't been able to do in past bundles. So mark October 21st onto your calendars because that's the day the sale opens. And remember, you don't actually have to take all of the classes. I don't even honestly expect you to. You get theoretical gold stars with wings and platinum coated if you like, but honestly, the bundle is about taking what suits you right now, trying some new things out that you wouldn't have thought to study elsewhere, moving, enjoying, and experimenting with yourself and your practice in a way that's affordable and cuts through some of the noise in the online belly dance world right now. So let's chat about emotion and dance and see if right now this is a subject that resonates with where you are on your journey. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we're here with my dear friend and recurring contributor, Sahira. Sahira, I'm not sure we're going to be able to keep this short, (laughs) but welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Tiffany. I am so excited to be here and so excited for another bundle season. Thanks for having me back. It's, you are such a great teacher and you have such an expansive online school really at this point. Like I feel like you've, you've just been building it over the years, especially once you moved over to Teachable a couple years ago. And it's just like, there's something for everybody there. And I love it. Awesome. I, th- I like to think so. I love to, I love to record classes. I actually, that is my happy place, especially right now. That is the thing that I do to calm me down and make me feel sane again. And so, yeah, I'm just cranking out content. <laughs> <laughs> so for the bundle this year, you're putting in your, you want to move drum solo intensive um, that you ran, I think it was last year to mm-hmm. your students. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the course and what made you want to create it? Yes. So this is a choreography that I created for my in-person students here in Houston a couple of years ago. And it was one of my favorite drum solo choreographies. It was just one of those that translated really well in the classroom. My students looked amazing doing it. And so when I finished it, I thought I definitely have to record this 
for my online studio as well. And then when I created it, it was only, it was the second intensive I had ever done where it was a, a real-time intensive where students online work with me week to week and they only get access to one week of content at a time to keep them kind of honest and working through and finishing the content in a timely manner. And I thought, I'd like to do something a little bit different than just teach the technique, teach the combos, put together the choreography. I'd like it to be something a little bit a little bit beyond just the drum solo, even though the drum solo itself is really fun. And so I took it a step further and decided to put sort of kind of like a theatrical emotional element to it. I have a, a big theater background and have done theater my whole life. And it ended up being a really fun space to kind of play to take it to that next level, which so often we don't get to in class. We work on, you know, getting the footwork and the hip work and the arms. And maybe, maybe at the end we like add a smile, but we don't talk about taking it any further than that. And Stop that's looking what at I the Siri. To... Stop looking right. at the feeling. Smile. Right, right. Exactly. Like that's that's kind of the last, you know, words of advice you get before you go out on the stage. Oh yeah, and wait, don't forget to smile. Right. And so I wanted to spend some time working on that part that we so often don't get to dive into. So it, it made it really fun to kind of take it a step further and offer that to my online students. Yeah, and I love that it's it's part of a drum solo, which is not where you tend to see emotion. Like sometimes you get a little bit of like the cheekiness in a drum solo, but really it almost mm -hmm. feels like the place that you go to show off. Like Like that's where a lot of dancers show off all of the different techniques and all the different things that they've learned and can do in their musicality. And so emotion kind of gets like put off to the side as like maybe not so important or, you know, they add on another song that turns into the drum solo so they can put all the emotion there and then show off during the drum solo. And so I love, I love that you're bringing it into the drum solo space specifically with this because it's, I feel like it's something we don't see enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm really big into feeling that our, our biggest dance asset lies above our shoulders. I feel like the face is huge and what it can tell your audience and how it can draw your audience in is beautiful. And I tell my students all the time, like we can learn all the new, latest, greatest, coolest technique and really wow people. And I've certainly seen dancers throughout the years that I'm like, oh my God, what did she just do with her body? That's incredible, right? But a lot of times, like your general audience, your non, I call them the muggle audience, right? Like the non-belly dance audience, like they don't know a reverse Ami from a triple sow cow. Like they have no idea. Like, and I learned this the hard way, like watching people watch dancers and realizing, yeah, you know, I don't know if they understand just how hard this technique is. You know, yeah, fast shimmy is a fast shimmy and yeah, lots of pops and locks. It's really cool. Like, I'm not saying it's not cool, but I think the thing that's universal amongst all audience members, if you really want to connect with people is emotion. That's something we all understand. That's something we all experience. So for me, I feel like it is a goal of mine as a dancer to always have an element of emotive content in every piece that I do. Because even if I'm not telling a story, right? Drum solos don't tell a story. A lot of belly dance doesn't tell a story. You know, so we're working with music that has no lyrics. It doesn't have any particular meaning. But you then get to be the artist and paint on whatever colors you want into that meaning canvas and draw your audience in that way, which I find is hugely, hugely powerful. I know we've all experienced it too, where you watch a dancer who maybe isn't the most amazing technician, but they have all the feeling and emotion and you could just watch them all day long. And so why not add that, even if you are an incredible technician, why not add that extra tool to your tool belt to be able to really draw people into your performance?
I love the idea of watching people watch belly dance um, because we don't, I feel like we don't do that enough as teachers, especially because we're so busy either dancing or watching our students dance, you know, or watching the people we've invited to come and dance with us, you know, as a good host, as a, as mm -hmm. a good um, person, right, to do that. But to every now and then, like, take your eyes off of them and look at the audience and see how they're reacting to things and what they're feeling because that the feeling is everything right both what you're feeling but also what you're translating so much of of middle eastern music is about this give and take with the music mm -hmm. and with the audience and and this this dance form based in middle eastern music right takes on so many of those qualities so taking a second to kind of step back a little bit and see how people are reacting to things can inform so much of what you do in your own dance as well. Like, I think like in a, in a really in a nice way, like not in a way like, Oh, they all hate me. So now I have to like, not the self hate <laughs> way. We're not doing that. That's not right. Right. About, right. But about the like, Oh, they look like they don't get it. So what do I need? Like, what is the next step for me in my practice to put more emotion on it, to put that next level into it so that they can walk away from this performance realizing that it was angry, it was sad, it was happy, it was joyful, it was contagious in whatever way that it needs to be to be the artistic piece that you wanted it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you bring up a, a good point, like, you know, Arab dance at its nexus, right? It's all about this, the startup, which is experienced between the dancer, the musician and the audience, like all three entities are essential for making that happen. Right. It's not about like I put on a show for you and you watch me, you know, from behind that fourth wall. It very much transcends and, and passes through that. And you want to bring people along on your journey. And so, yeah, watching how they respond. Now, I'll admit, like I do a lot more watching of how audiences respond to other dancers than like yes. watching the audience too closely while I dance because that's really intimidating <laughs> sometimes yeah, like, and that's, it's that's kind of hard to do <laughs> and it's also hard to I feel like sometimes it's hard to read when you're also doing the dancing like mm -hmm. that is that's a skill I feel comes more with time and practice and less with just even observation it's like and knowing which like who you're dancing for at any given time because everybody reacts differently based on their own lived experiences. Absolutely, and their culture. You know, we've all had that private party where people sat stone-faced the entire time you danced and you're like, oh, I blew it. And then afterwards, everyone comes up to tell you how amazing they thought it was and how much fun they had. And I'm like, yes, but if you could have just smiled once, then I would have known, you know, but, but yeah, so it's the so disconnect. People, it is, it is. And so you have to be careful when you watch people, like, who are you watching? What culture are they from? Right. That kind of thing. So, so a lot of times, like what I'm thinking of is going to like a big belly dance event and I'm sitting in the audience and I'm watching a bunch of, you know, belly dancers and their friends and family watching other dancers. What is it that makes people sit up in their seat? What is it that makes people lean forward? Like, what is it that really gets people going and gets people excited during a performance? And it depends, right, on the event and the festival and what's going on. But like, when you turn on it, people's emotions by drawing them into your performance with something that's beyond technique, magic happens. It's really incredible. People will be moved to tears moved to joy, moved to shouting, you know, yalla, yalla, like yeah, to the rooftops because they're just so excited about the emotion that 
you are generating and it becomes it becomes like this upward spiral right it becomes a back and forth where your emotion affects your audience they get more excited it affects your emotion and it's this beautiful like give and take that really builds something spectacular yes i love it so when you are practicing in your in your own time in your own space how do you kind of work in this emotional practice into your own dance yeah, this is a really good question. And I think the, the thing I'll say starting out is you have to give yourself the space to be slightly ridiculous. Like this is a very funny process for me. And so you have to not take yourself too seriously. You have to be willing to laugh at yourself a lot and you have to be willing to make faces you have never made before. So what I do, and it's pretty traditional for me when I work up a new choreography, like I'm usually like figuring out the feet and then the hips and the chest and the layering. I do all the technique stuff generally for me first. Though one interesting thing to note when I'm choreographing something, if I get stuck and like technique wise, it's just not happening for me and I cannot figure out what the heck to put in. Sometimes I'm like, you know what, screw it, screw the technique. I want this section of the choreography to be mysterious and I'm just going to try to move mysteriously. Or I want this section of the choreography to be kind of like a joke. And I'm going to move in a joking way. And sometimes movements will come to me through emotional intent better than they would come to me by listening to the music and trying to come up with like the perfect move, which doesn't exist, right? The perfect move for that. And so sometimes that's, that's a, a tool that helps me create. But then when I'm ready to like decide emotionally what's happening, you'll often have songs that just engender an emotion in you. You know, like this song makes me so freaking joyful, right? Or this song just feels really powerful, right? It becomes, how do I, how do I portray that power? You know, what am I doing? So I start to think about my, my three major players are my eyes. Eyes are huge, right? My eyes, what do my face do? Obviously my eyes are a part of that, but the eyes by themselves can do incredible things. What does my face do? What does a powerful face look like to me? And then how do I hold my body? And how do the movements work within my body to portray that feeling? And so I have done recordings of myself where I dance an entire choreography with only my face, which is nice, hilarious and very embarrassing. <laughs> but a lot of fun because a lot of times like we just don't know what our face does most of us have have uh gotten really good at the like happy smile and open eyes right and we've gotten really good at that you know because that's kind of step one is like how do you get the the i'm thinking face off or how do you get that right. weird grimacy smile off right which we all had when we started my personal face was like I always looked in all these pictures as a beginner dancer, like I had seen a cockroach on the wall, but I didn't want anybody to know, like that was the <laughs> face that I made. And so it's sort of like taking a look at like, what faces do I make when I dance, right? Taking recordings of yourself and looking at the faces that come up, which ones do you like? Which ones don't you like? How are you going to get rid of them? And then like actually just taking some practice and saying, you know, if I want to give myself this powerful look, you know, my eyes perhaps are going to be straight ahead or slightly upward. And then my chin is going to be lifted, right? I might jut my jaw out a little bit. And maybe my movements are going to be very high center of gravity up into my chest, because this makes me feel proud, right? And there's no right or wrong. It's a lot of experimentation. And a lot of like theatrical exercises. I was in theater for many years before I was ever a dancer. And so I think a lot of this I'm willing to look ridiculous on a very regular basis because I was forced to in all my theater training and that comes in really handy now. And so a lot of it is, is done apart from the movements. Like, let me just figure out what face angle, what eye angle, what body stance is going to, going to 
allow me to share this idea? And now how can I put my dancing in that framework that I've created to allow myself to, to integrate the dance into that? It almost sounds like a really good exercise would be to do the same dance move, but how do I do this, like a hip drop? How do I make a hip drop mysterious? How do I make a hip drop powerful? How do I make a hip drop happy? How do I make a hip drop sad? And like, be willing to like stand in front of your mirror doing the same move, but looking like you have no idea what you're doing because every time, you know, there's no consistency in it because you're Mm -hmm. messing around with it so much, just kind of put emotion into the move. And like, Mm -hmm. I can, I can just imagine you doing this Yes. <laughs> like in your studio now because I know you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, yes, it's totally something that I do. And it's something that I make my students do. And there's like that first like three minutes where everyone's like, what? Like nobody <laughs> wants to do it and everyone gets really awkward and strange. And then, you know, you get over it and you're like, no, it's all part of the part of the process. We all looked really silly the first time we tried to, you know, triplet shimmy and we're going to look really silly the first time we try to do a mysterious hip drop. Like it's just, it's just going to happen. And that's part of the process and it's okay. You know? And like, especially in these times, right? Like who's going to see you being ridiculous? <laughs> right. right. You're, you're practicing at home, you know, in the corner of your bedroom or like the little tiny space that you've carved out for your dancing. Like this is the time, everybody. This is the time to be ridiculous <laughs> in your dancing in, 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 in service of a, bigger, of a bigger portion, of something greater in your dance. Like, take the time to, to feel weird about mm-hmm. it. I think so many of us, when we start, we feel so strange. Like, every, I want everyone to take a moment and remember when your first teacher put you in your belly dance posture right? And they like pulled your shoulders back and like your, your hips go here and your knees are slightly bent and you put your arms out like you're holding a big beach ball, you know, so you got the nice curve. And then remember how dumb you felt. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you, like I remember feeling like I was like a mannequin, like I had been posed like a mannequin. And I was like, this is so bizarre. And like mm-hmm. just having to remember to stay like that felt so weird. And like now it doesn't feel weird at all. At all. Somebody goes, hey, we're going to dance. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Bam. Posture. And it's, it's natural and it's, it's in there, but you know, we had to get through everyone. I don't, I don't care who you are listening to this podcast. I know at one point you felt very weird and awkward when you, unless you started dancing as a kid, kids don't have any concept of feeling weird and awkward. They're just like, go. Right. Just, they're just going to try it. They're so good at just doing it. Yeah. And okay, let me, let me, so I'm going to change it. Anybody who started as an adult, and did not grow up in this dance. You probably felt weird and awkward at some point. So I want you to remember that feeling. And then we're going to pursue that here in, in service of, of putting more emotion into all of our moves. Absolutely. And I think you can easily feel awkward in a couple of different ways. Like for a lot of my students, this opens you up emotionally in ways that people might not be comfortable with. Mm. And I respect that. And I understand that. I think especially right now, people have emotions that are so raw. For some people, exploring them is therapeutic. And for some people, exploring them is just downright scary, right? So I always give my students a couple of options. Just like in theater, to portray an emotion on stage, you have a couple of different manners of doing it. You can actually try to create that emotion in your body. I remember doing a theater piece when I was in high school where I had to, I had to cry during my monologue and I would listen to this really sad song and imagine like this horribly sad time in my life 
to like prep my tear glands, like my tear ducts to cry every time I did this piece. And it was really hard, but I tried to do it from a truly emotive, like I was feeling that emotion place. That doesn't work for everybody. It, it doesn't. And it's, while everyone probably could get a place to a place where they could do that, I understand that's not something that everyone well, wants to do. And so you I can think, also, oh, go ahead. So I think that also depends on the piece too, though, and like what mm -hmm. you're drawing into. Cause like, there have been times where I could absolutely portray like angry and sad in a piece and then other times in my life where I, I can't get into that same emotional state. Like it depends on the piece and at the time that you're doing it, I think as well. No, definitely. Like, where are you emotionally? How close are you to that? Or maybe how far are you from that? You know, like maybe if you're too close to feeling angry, maybe portraying anger, you know, is, is easier, or maybe it's harder depending on, on you and just how your emotions work. So I always give people the option, like you don't actually have to get mad to dance mad. Like it's an interesting experiment, uh, an exercise to try to do, but you can also paint on mad and look at like, what do I look like? Or what do other people look like when they are angry? What do their eyes do? Maybe they narrow. What does their chin do? Maybe it lowers, right? What do their shoulders do? Maybe they hunch forward and maybe all of the movements are gonna be really low in my center of gravity, right? Whatever movement I choose. And I don't actually feel mad, but I've painted it on to portray mad. So there's a lot of different ways you can come at it that will hopefully give you a doorway that you are comfortable walking through to, to get into it. But you have to kind of, one of my Zill mentors recently said to me, and this was so true, she's like, you've got to let go of the need to always make it pretty. If it always has to look pretty, you're not going to get to where you want to be with range of what you're able to do. It can't always look pretty in practice for darn sure. And sometimes even on the stage, depending on what you're attempting to to project, you, you, you have to let go of needing to be pretty all the time. I love that. That's great. It was powerful. Advice. It really made me think about how I, how I approach things and what I'm willing to allow myself to show in my own home practice space and on a stage. So for dancers listening to this who are like, okay, I want to give this a shot. I want to, I want to try doing some of these things that we've talked about, putting a little bit of emotion on something. I want to feel ridiculous in my own house. What would you suggest that they go and do next? Okay. So get yourself a list of emotions, right? And you can even go online and search for list of emotions because I want you to stay away from happy and sad, right? Like those are fine. I guess you can start with those, but I like to look at things that are a little bit more in depth, like, you know, shy or victorious, or you feel hopeless or something like that. Like things that are a little bit more nuanced right? And have a list of emotions ready at hand when you're ready to practice. And maybe just pick a couple. And like what you had said, Tiffany, about picking one move, and this is going to be the, my, my challenge for the Instagram challenge is very much going to tie into this. So this will help people pick a move that you can do with your eyes closed and your hands tied behind your back. You don't have to think about the technique of it. And it doesn't even have to be a belly dance move, right? And start to play with that emotion on that movement and give yourself total free reign. There are no rules. There are no rules, right? So if you want to suddenly like this emotion makes you want to stand, you know, to, to sit down on the floor, like that's not a belly dance move, but whatever, sit on the floor, right? That emotion makes you want to stomp around in circles, do it. Like don't limit yourself to things that you think are, are belly dancey, right? Open up the, the box so that you can play with a lot more ideas. And then just start to play with this. Think about your eyes. Think about your facial expression. 
think about the stance of your body. Are your feet close together? Are they far apart? Are your shoulders open? Are they hunched forward? Is your pelvis forward? Is it slightly back? Are you leaning forward? Like what is, what is the, the, the pose, the positioning of your body as you do this? And then just play, just play, have fun, be ridiculous. And then when you're feeling a little bit more confident, turn on your video camera and record yourself doing it. Yeah, and then love yourself and have a glass of wine and watch it, right? And then like record yourself doing it if you have a space in your house down a long hallway or something, record yourself doing it from like farther away to see if it translates. Emotions feel really big in our heads and in our bodies sometimes, but like to your audience member that's 50 feet from you, it's not there because you have to be theatrically emotive, which is larger than real life most times. And then and just play with it and allow yourself to just play with it and allow yourself to dance an entire song that you love without even like really worrying about the movement. You're gonna dance the song, but you're gonna dance it from a place of emotion. So decide, you know, you can pre-decide if you find it hard to decide in the moment. This, this song is going to start fairly dejected, but then I'm gonna become hopeful and then I'm gonna walk away ecstatic or whatever. And you're going to go through that. That's the story you're telling. There's no like actual storyline but there's an emotive storyline and decide that you're gonna travel through those emotions and see what comes up because I've found this happen in students time and again, where it unlocks their body to dance in a way they wouldn't have otherwise when they were worried about picking the right move. And you're not picking moves, you're just showing emotion. I love it. I think that's some great advice that people can take and just head off to the dance floor or the end of the hallway or wherever they're going and <laughs> practice just practice doing this, like pulling in emotion and working on emotion in their dance. I, I thank you for coming on yes. and sharing well, all of this with us. Thank you for letting me. This is something that I, I love and I know it's, you know, can be scary for people, but I just want to, you are cordially invited to just, to just play and, and process what, whatever happens and, and just have a good time with the process, with no particular end goal in mind, other than opening up something that may be locked in your dance right now. And when you just open it up, it, it might just start to happen without you even having to specifically decide emotions. It might just start to infuse itself into your dance because you've opened that possibility. Awesome. Sahira, can you tell people where they can follow you online, where they can learn more from you on the internet? Absolutely. You can find my website at sahirabellydances.com and I'm on all the social things at Sahira Belly Dances, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can find me there at Sahira Belly Dances. Awesome. All right. And we have one last question for you that we're asking everyone in this Ooh, round. Okay. Where is the strangest place that you have danced? Ooh, I love this. Where is the strangest place that I have danced? Oh, I got it at my annual mammogram last year. <laughs> I was getting my mammogram. I was literally in the room with the tech, like with the little stickers on my thing, you know, getting my, and she was so sweet. She's like, that's right. You're the belly dancer. Cause that was my second annual mammogram. So she remembered me. She's like, you're the belly. Can you, can you show me some moves? So there I am with my robe down around my hips, dancing with my mammogram operator. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I love it so much. Sierra, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for coming back for yet another bundle. Um, and we did manage to keep it under 30 minutes. So I'm actually really proud of us. <laughs> <Go> us. <laughs> Everyone, I will see you tomorrow.
Sahira had so many good tips here for us, and I can't wait to dig into her course and see how she breaks down this information in a class format for applying into her drum solo or any other choreography. I always love it when you can so easily take something you learn from a class and apply it elsewhere. You can do it with anything you learn, but oftentimes it takes more creativity, more bending. But with the way that this is presented, I feel like we get to learn a choreography and some skills that we can grab and put onto our practices. You can find links to all of Sahira's internet hangouts at www.thebellydancebundle.com 37. And please check out her challenge today on the Instagram channel, and we'll update the podcast page with it if you're listening far in the future. The bundle is on sale from October 21st through the 28th, and I hope to have you dancing and learning with us there. Until next time, stay emotive.